this is Palm Sunday. This is the, the Sunday of Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When Christ made his way into the city right before his, his passion that on, on Friday on the cross and then his resurrection on, on Sunday, which we will talk about next week. But I want uh, to take time today and I want to talk to you about uh, good intentions. Have you ever had something that you had good intentions but kind of led to something that didn't really happen well? Or it started off something amazing then it ended up not so much. So in in uh, Congress a couple of weeks ago they had the opportunity to do away with daylight savings time. And they voted against it. I say boot them all out. But I understand daylight savings time, you know, way back when, 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 uh, when you needed the extra daylight because your, your family worked in the farm and they, and, they, and they gathered and they needed the sunlight to work. We haven't needed that in a long long time wouldn't it be great to never have to spring forward again in your entire life you know there's there's a couple of uh, states uh, hawaii arizona that have just said no we're not doing it and they don't and uh you know and so that is one of the things that started off with a good idea but it's no longer needed have you ever gone and you find something and you say, oh, I'm going to keep this because uh, this is something that I really am going to need, and then five years later you realize you still have kept it because it's something that you might really need, and it ends up in the garage sale because at the time it was needful. You had to have it, but later on you realized it wasn't as needful or, or doesn't serve the purpose that you wanted. When Jesus was going into Jerusalem on, on, that, on, on this Palm Sunday, when he entered into Jerusalem, people began to, to make noise and commotion because he was coming in, and people understood that he was a prophet. They, he had a, a lot of popularity. He was very prominent in Jerusalem or in, in Judea. And even those Jews that were coming in from other countries, even though they had not seen him, they had heard about him. And I want to read through this passage of scripture found in Mark or Matthew chapter 21. And it simply says this, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Now that word stirred is, is, doesn't really quite make it. It misses the mark. The, the word, the original word in the original language simply is the same one they would use for an earthquake or a volcano. In other words, Jerusalem was in an uproar, a, a fever pitch when Jesus was coming in to Jerusalem. It wasn't a handful of, of 
30, 40, 50, or 100 people saying, wow, this is a prophet. I think I'm going to throw some palm branches down. This was the entire city was in a fever pitch because Christ was so popular. Isn't that amazing? That, that he, was, he was so popular. Let's go on. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. And they got some of it right. He came from Nazareth, but um, he wasn't just a prophet. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Now, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew... He, he has it where Jesus is going directly to the temple. In the Gospel of Mark, there is a day between Jesus comes into the city and they're celebrating him, and then he turns and then he goes and spends the night, and the next day he comes back in and goes to the temple. Matthew is focusing on his audience, a Jewish audience, and he goes directly to what's important to him. Jesus enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Let's go on, if you would. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Let's go on if you would. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were so excited. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you ever read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can do or say to the mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Jesus entered the temple courts again. And while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him, "By what authority are you doing these things?" they asked, "And who gave you this authority?" And and I, I want to focus on on a couple of things in this passage of scripture. I know this is a very familiar story. We go through it every year but i just want to focus on the fact that jesus is a prominent figure he was it was a a very momentous time when he entered in into the city and people were worshiping and people were shouting and it was a fever pitch 
And, and the very first thing that Matthew wants you to notice was that he went to the temple and he got rid of the merchants and the money changers. And you say, well, what were merchants and money changers? Well, they were selling sacrifices in the Old Testament. When you came to the, the temple, for the, you had to have a sacrifice. And, and, and if you could bring a lamb or a bull, you, you, then you could do that. If you were poor, you, you could have a dove. And what the, those that, that were leading the temple had a great idea. They said, here's what we'll do. We will start offering doves and sheep and sacrifices so people don't have to travel from a long way and bring their own sacrifice they can just buy it right here but wait if they have a different currency how are they going to buy it i know what we'll do we'll have money changers that when you have a foreign currency they will just trade out and then they can buy their sacrifice sounds like a great idea doesn't it except for one thing anytime you're dealing with money there's always greed that steps in and what was really amazing is over time those that were exchanging the money were making a living off of the exchange rate in the house of God and the merchants were in the house of God. See, it's important to know that when you bring an offering to God, it should be something of your own. I think sometimes we as churches, um, we try to make it easy and comfortable to, to bring a, an offering to the Lord. And, but in reality, an offering is designed to cost you something when we come to the lord it's because he wants us to bring whatever we have to him so here's the 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 merchants and both of them are in the court of the gentiles now the court of the gentiles was the outer court but it was designed for gentiles the jewish uh, went into the inner court but the outer court was designed specifically for gentile believers and here's the amazing thing it was designed for one purpose it wasn't designed for money changers it wasn't designed for for uh, offerings it was designed for prayer and when he came in, he corrected two, two major themes that were going on. The very first one was he realized that, that what they had done is there was so much commotion in, in exchanging money, and there was so much commotion in, in all of the animals being in that outer court, in the court of the Gentiles, that nobody that wanted to pray could pray because it was too noisy, and they had, had changed what that court was originally designed for. And Christ came in and quotes Isaiah and says, Don't you know that my house 
is a house of prayer. The reason why he drove them out and he drove the money changers out and he, and he drove out the animals for sacrifice is because it wasn't designed for that. If you wanted to help people exchange money, do it outside the temple. If you wanted to help somebody find a sacrifice, do it outside the temple. But it wasn't designed for the sacrifice inside the temple. The temple inside was designed for prayer, for connecting with God. Isn't that amazing? The second thing that he, that he attacks, which is really amazing, was the nationalistic view that the temple was a bulwark of national pride. See, Israel had connected the temple and the nation together. And they were looking at the temple as the nation. And God never intended for the temple to be the nation. The temple is different than the nation. The crowds that came in, they were looking for an anti-Roman rhetoric from this uh, and pro-Jewish nationalistic action from Christ. They wanted a Messiah that would come in and say, we're going to throw away Rome and we are going to be our own. And they had connected the temple with national pride. And the sacrificial worship center of Israel had become this nationalistic stronghold for the promotion of nation and not the relationship of the individual to God. And it's important that in our Christian churches that we do not, that we understand that we don't represent left or right ideology. The church is not designed to promote or to endorse anything in culture on the political arena. The church stands alone in good culture and in bad culture. When culture is to the left or culture is to the right, it's the church that leads the way. And the church is not a political arm of any government. The church is the body of Christ. It is the firstborn uh, of believers. It is designed to bring people to Christ, to train people in the ways of Christ, and to walk in the ways of God. It's to connect with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And when we do that, when we connect with God, the church changes culture. I think, and I know this is not in the notes, but this is free. Uh, I think it's time that many Christians quit looking to Washington, D.C., to change the course of the nation. And we get back to taking out the money changers and the merchants and make the church a house of prayer, a place where people can connect with God in a close, personal, intimate way that we can grab hold of a relationship with God and allow that relationship with, of with God to change us. And when we are changed, we can change those around us. 
I find one, one other thing in here that I really found that was really interesting. Twice, Jesus comes into the temple and, and the children are excited. They're, they're, they're calling him, they're, they're worshiping, and they're saying that he is the Messiah, is what they're saying. He's the son of David, he's the Messiah. And the chief priests become indignant. The scribes become infuriated. That word is simply, they were overflowing. Have you ever seen somebody that got so mad their face got really red? You know, and the Bible says sometimes that people get so mad that they gnash their teeth or grinding their teeth. That's the image of the, of the chief priests. They were so upset with Jesus that he came in and changed the temple to its original design. They were so upset. The Bible says that, that Jesus was in the temple and, and the lame came to him. Those that were ceremonially unclean came into the temple, and Jesus healed them. You would think that if young people were excited about, about Jesus, and you would think that if you saw Jesus turn, turn the temple into its proper role, and you would think that if you were the leader of the temple, that if you were seeing miraculous things happen in the temple, and people were praying, and people were worshiping God, you would be overjoyed. And yet, they were indignant. They were angry. In fact, they came to Jesus and said, who gave you this authority? That is the key. They were mad. They were upset. They were angry because they had made themselves the rulers of the temple and not God. They themselves controlled what was going on in the temple and not God. And when they asked Jesus... Who gave you this authority? The reason why they're asking that is because if you wanted to put it in parentheses, they could have said, Who gave you this authority? Because we didn't give it. We're in charge, and we did not give this authority. They, Jesus challenged their authority over the people. It's important to understand that what Jesus was doing on this, on this celebration was simply helping us understand that, that the temple started off right, but it got askew, and he was correcting it. And the same thing can happen in our own walk with God, that when we come to him, we come to him in faith, we come to him for a relationship, and we bow our knee, and we say, Lord, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins, and you passionately start following Christ. But it's very easy to kind of get into a routine where we make church our relationship. And I believe that we should go to church. I think church is the house of God, the ecclesia, when we come together. 
But don't ever forget that the primary reason we come together is to connect with him, not to connect with one another. We don't come because of the, oh, we like the music or we like the preaching or we, or we like the people. Those are all secondary or tertiary uh, things that we, we enjoy. The primary reason the church has been and always is is because we, it is a place for people to connect with God. I, I don't want to get to that place that, that, that we forget that the church is called from darkness to light. It's called out from the world. It's the church... It is not a commonplace. But we do have some things in common. Not all Christians look at Scripture the same way, but I do know this, that, that all Christians have a belief that Jesus is the Christ. And that He died for our sins, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And God's design is to bring His church to its original intent. That it's a place to connect with him that you can receive salvation it's a place of prayer that you can connect with god where they lived or what kind of lifestyle they lived they were all focused on one thing and one thing only and that was the passover and the passover represents christ on the cross that's why paul said i i don't know anything except christ crucified isn't it important for us to realize that, that salvation and prayer and fellowship, loving one another, deliverance, healing, are all things that, that are part of the church, but our primary focus is connecting with God. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. I'm going to ask, uh, Dean, would you help me serve communion on this side and Jose would you help me serve on this side please we're going to take time to have communion and today I would like to do it a little differently when you come down if you would hold on to those elements and we will take them together Jesus told his disciples on that on that last on that last supper this bread is for my body and this is and this cup is for my blood do this in remembrance of me. Isn't that, isn't that an odd thing to say before his crucifixion? To do this in remembrance of him? And yet, he knew, just as the chief priests and the scribes had, had changed the temple's direction, that it was human nature for us to add things to his church that were our preferences and not his primary focus. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. Here's what he was saying for his disciples then, for his disciples five years from then, 50 years from then, 500 years from from then and today. Don't forget that everything we call the church, 
And everything we do around the church, whether it's fellowship, friendship, whether, whatever it may be, don't ever allow the church to get off of the very foundation of Christ crucified for you. That our eternal destiny is not depending on whether we attend church every Sunday. It's not depending on how much you give, how much you serve. It's not dependent on anything else other than Jesus Christ crucified on that cross, his shed blood that gives us remission of sins. And it's, I find it fascinating that when we keep him the focus, when Christ remains the center, everything else we do is birthed out of love. It's easy for us to get, get sidetracked. But today, right now, it is a great opportunity for each and every one of us to re-examine as we walk through this week and, and we go through Good Friday and then, and then on Sunday, the resurrection and what that really means to us. I, I think it would be a great opportunity as Christ came in and he started the week by making the temple what it was designed to be. Maybe today we can examine our own lives and say, Lord, let my life be what you've designed it to be and allow me to have that personal relationship with my Redeemer. We're going to ask, church, if you would, would you please come receive the elements and then we will.